Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. All right, here we go. What you think about? Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. If you enjoyed our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band featuring Maya Dore, and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new to our show, I'll just tell you a little bit about us. We are about sound information, not just sound bites. Our goal is to raise all voices, big and small. That means people who are diagnosed, those that care and serve them, advocates, researchers, and more. And today is a live show, so you can call in with any questions or comments you have about our topic about staying compliant and figuring out bills in in the medical medley of dementia. And that number is two, I'm sorry, the number is 323-870-4602. That's 323-870-4602. I also um, like to thank our listeners because of your loyalty, your likes, your clicks, and share. You have really expanded our brand footprint, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, I'm Lori LeBay, and I am the host of Alzheimer's Speaks, and I started this because my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years. And I just feel that it's so important to connect and collaborate and share our wisdom because each and every person on this journey has information that's valuable to the next guy. And through Alzheimer's Speaks, we want to build a sense of community, collaboration, and comfort so that we can really battle um, well against dementia until a cure is found. Now, before I introduce our guest today, I always like to give a shout out to a few organizations. Um, Top of mind always is the Memory Cafe directory. I just love it. I wish it was around when my mom uh, was struggling with dementia. It is a support group, and I hate to even call it a support group because people have so much fun there. It's really like a gathering of peers, but it's for people with dementia and their care partners. So you really get to know others on the journey and feel supported because so often families don't. I also want to give a shout out to Coro Health, that's C-O-R-O Health, because um, given COVID has hit us all, they know times are a little tougher. They are allowing people to download um, their streaming apps, Music First and Coral Faith, both which can bring a lot of calm to not only a person diagnosed with dementia, uh, but anybody. So go to Coral Health. You can just Google it and um, and take advantage of that. There is also a a trial out for people diagnosed with Alzheimer's that are 
between 55 and 80 years old, and they have to be uh, kind of mild to moderate in terms of disease progression. They have to have a family member or a care partner uh, willing to attend study visits and then report on daily activities and oversee medication. And you can go to uh, gaintrial.com forward slash E-N, that's gain, G-A-I-N, trial, T-R-I-A-L.com forward slash E-N. And um, let's see, what else do I want to give a shout out to? Oh, Artist Way, um, or Artist Senior Living, I should say, is going to start Artist Way Memory Cafe starting in September. And I'm going to help them facilitate uh, probably the first six months. That's going to be the third Wednesday of each month starting in September. You can call 612-200. 0506 that's 612-200-0506 and those will be uh, virtual to to start out uh, with so anybody is is welcome to join that Um, last I just want to remind people that Alzheimer's Speaks is more than just a radio show so you can go to our website just alzheimerspeaks.com there you'll find information on projects and initiatives like uh, Dementia Chats and Dementia Quick Tips, Becoming Dementia Friendly, The Purple Angel Project, um, Memory Cafes, etc. So with no further ado, let's get to our show. I'm excited to introduce to you today um, our birthday girl, actually. Her name is Alexi Morrison, and she has been in the medical industry over 15 years. And her business focus has been a combination of medical compliance, consulting, and RCM support. Um, She is with MedPro Services and and, um, Services Clients Nationally, though their headquarters is in Naples, Florida. So welcome, Lexi. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, good, good. I'm I'm thrilled that you can be with us. Um, before we find out about MedPro and, and what all it, you're up to um, with that organization, I always like to ask everybody if they have been personally touched by dementia in their own family or circle of friends. Absolutely, and that's a great question. And and we I do have a personal experience in relation to you know, dementia and, and senior care. And, and the best example is my husband's father, who is 73 years old. Um, we have recently, in the past year, have transitioned him from his home to assisted living, um, a spout of skilled care nursing, and then back to assisted living. And it's a very emotionally charged situation for any family member to deal with, especially when you're in that process. I can tell you, and I think a lot of family members can speak to this, um, there may be other siblings or other family members involved, but not everybody seems to be involved sometimes at all times. So when it comes to making sure quality of care is in place, um, that they're okay, you know, that their home is clean, it really does start to become a full-time job. So as an example, we um, really within, like I said, the past year have transitioned him from his home Um, you know, because he was not able to, you know, adequately live on his own, um, put him into assisted living and through that went through rehabilitation, through skilled nursing, 
and then back to assisted living where we are now. And even though we do have, you know, peace of mind knowing that he is there, it still is a part-time job with frequent calls. Um, Obviously, this is a show about Alzheimer's and dementia and dealing with, you know, family members that regularly call may not be aware that they're calling um, and, you know, needing to be involved in, in every single daily life that you have with, you know, your child or family member um, that may take a toll on your work life or you personally. So we, we're dealing with that now. It, it does speak um, personally to me and, and we're living through it right now. And I know a lot of families are living through it right now as well. Yep. And uh, family dynamics plays a huge role um, for most. Uh, every now and then I run across a family that is kind of the father's knows best family and everybody gets along is on the same page. Um, yeah, exactly. But, yep. You know, that that really uh, doesn't happen a lot. And so yep. if you are in one of those families, have one of those families, you know, really be grateful because this is a tough process. Everybody is coming um, at it from different angles and they, you know, have um, different emotional needs as well as physical and financial needs and uh, responsibilities. So it gets complicated really, really quick um, in, in the process there. So, well, thank you for, for answering that question. I have a, que- a question for you. Are you on speakerphone? Because we sound a little spotty and we weren't earlier and I don't know if anything no, has I- changed. Nothing has changed. We're, we're status quo. Okay. Well, it's just technology at its finest. So we don't have total control over some things there. Well, why don't you, Lexi, why don't you give our audience um, a brief introduction to MedPro and, you know, what they do and, and what you do with them? Absolutely. And I, again, appreciate the introduction. Our organization originally started years and years ago as a physician staffing organization. And from that point, we actually have transitioned into medical compliance, coding, um, policies and procedures for practices and hospitals, um, and also integrated into accreditation. But really more importantly than anything else, um, senior care management, guidance on Medicare, um, payer contracting, and also the negotiation side for making sure that the transition for the elderly happens in a manner that um, is conducive to long-term care. Uh, we are based here in the Southeast, but we do service nationwide. And, um, you know, we do work with independents. We work with middle, large-based groups and also the larger groups. But more importantly, we do work with families, families that are not familiar or understanding of the process with insurance what to do with mom or dad or an elderly that, you know, is going through this process, how to consolidate, and what to do as far as the insurance carriers long-term to make sure that you guys have peace of mind knowing that they'll be in good hands um, if you can't be involved. Oh, wonderful. Now, when you talk insurance, um, I just want to clarify because there's all different types of insurance from long-term insurance to life insurance to, um, you know, um, hospitalization and things like that. So what, when you're speaking of insurance, can you just clarify that for our audience? What types of insurance you're referring to? Absolutely. So we do a couple different tier effects. We deal with insurance contracting for the hospitals to make sure and or groups to make sure that the patients can actually be seen and they have their deductible and copay and that the hospital or group can bill for that. But we also deal with individuals and the senior care management to make sure that their Medicare, Medicaid, 
is in conjunction with their quality of care. And so it really goes twofold. It goes to private practice and then back to personal families that are trying to navigate and figure out what the next step is for their carrier to make sure that they're getting maximum reimbursement so they're not out of pocket. Yeah, and that is so critical. And I know as a family member, it's very confusing. Um, anyways, I found it confusing and I, I really got tired of this is not a bill, but it kept coming through <laughs> and you feel like you're supposed to do something with it. And when do you really pay? And um, I thought this was covered. I mean, all of those things come and, you know, there's mistakes that are made with coding and things like that. It just it gets it gets complicated to get to the right person. So being able to work with somebody who knows the ins and outs and just the terminology, because most of us don't even know the standard terminology. So um, speaking of that, in your intro, I mentioned that your the business focuses on RCM, but most of us don't even know what that means, that you support that. So can you um, just uh, define that for us so we're all on the same page yeah. there? Absolutely. So revenue cycle management, we work with groups independents and large-based um, networks hospitals to make sure that they're optimizing as much revenue as they possibly can. And I know that sounds crazy. We're in a, a very odd world right now when it comes to the coronavirus and how it's affecting businesses. But I have to tell you, the most important thing that we are focusing on now is making sure that reimbursement is at its, at its all-time high. Insurance companies are taking care of the groups and independents that have been very loyal to them for so many years. And also looking into the fact that you may have independence groups or hospitals that have never been in network with a carrier, didn't know they could be in network with a carrier, and how much money on the table has been lost because they have not been in network. And even so, Lori, I'm going to speak to this. A lot of people don't realize that after a certain period of time, you can go back and renegotiate contracts to get a higher reimbursement because that contract has been, you know, X amount of years old. So we really do work with, you know, any kind of segment to make sure that they're actually making money. And I know that sounds cliche to say, but given where we are right now economically and with, you know, the coronavirus, every single person needs to look at their receivables. And I doubt highly someone would come back and say, oh, I'm just making so much money. I don't need to make any more. Yeah. Exactly. When you're when you're talking about that, and you know, you also you've got the business side, but then you deal with the family side. And I'm thinking in comparison, um, and, and I don't know if you have a verbiage for this or not, or if this is part of your goal. But with the the RCM, the revenue cycle management, I'm thinking for families, what we want is a revenue protection management because we always feel like we're getting screwed by the insurance companies on the other side, and we because we don't understand the systems and um, we don't know what's what. So in terms of care management, is that something that you you look at in terms of um, making sure like absolutely. It, you know, you Absolutely. were mentioning being in network. I mean, that that's just a huge factor in terms of costs and knowing what's covered or do you need um, permission first before going or referrals. Or, you know, and everyone is a little, they're, they're a lot alike, but a lot different in terms of who covers what. And you think you have all these policies. And then all of a sudden, how's there, how, how is there this donut hole? I thought it was covered. And um, well, having that's, somebody. That's, 
Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. That, that's a great that's a great question, um, and I'm sorry. I think there was a delay on the phone. The most important thing is to fact find, to call and to say, what are we not researching properly? I'll give you a, an example. My father-in-law had a very small stroke not too long ago, and they had him t- under two different names with the hospital. So there was one bill under one alias of a patient and then another bill. And so there was almost duplicate bills that were going on that we had no idea about until we actually researched and did our homework. Oh, wow. That's uh, and, and I would imagine stuff like that is more common than we, than we like to believe too. Um, yeah. You know, those things can happen. And, and, I, I know sometimes people are like, you know, what are these socks on here when I was in the hospital? I didn't get any socks or, you know, this <laughs> pill is, how can this pill be $25? You know, I, I can I can get three jars of them for that. <laughs> you know, um, there's so it's many true. questions. Yep. It's true. Um, in terms of what you get or what comes with a room that you're automatically charged for if you, if you use it or not. Um, and those are things that, you know, when you're in the middle of a crisis, no one thinks about, and then they get this itemized bill, and then you're trying to scratch your head going, did this really happen or not? Or I don't remember that test, or, you know, it's it's just a lot um, to take in and to, to manage, that's for sure. So I think that that's, um, that's a really uh, an interesting, interesting view and um, service. Why don't you share with us um, how MedPro has involved in, in terms of their experience with working with, you know, the senior community at large? That's a great question. I, I'll tell you the advocacy part is something that I feel like we're missing in our community as a whole, and that's just the national, national advocacy uh, awareness. I think that we look, we look at one part of it, which is, you know, it's a necessary evil to a means to an end, but we, we forget also that there's family involved and that there's also, you know, daily emotions. Not all of us are, are antiquated or, or, you know, integrated with insurance that, um, you know, we're familiar with. And a lot of yeah. people are not involved in the medical community to be able to adequately look at something and say, this is the best option. Um, as an example with, you know, my particular family, one school of thought would be to, put our elderly in skilled nursing until his finances were drained and then put him to Medicare. But then the other school of thought is to put him in assisted living, which is less money, better quality of life, and then reconsolidate and come up with a better plan that will transition him until, you know, really the very end. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of people don't understand that. You can certainly hire, you know, medical attorneys and things of that sort to provide guidance. Um, and, and that's one thing that, you know, a lot of families spend quite a bit of money on. But at the end of the day, it, it may not be the best fit for their elder. And a lot of a lot of the seniors don't want to be in that situation. Now, understandably, yep. with corona, the problem that we have right now more than anything is that the seniors feel like they're trapped and imprisoned in skilled nursing or assisted living because they can't leave due to this virus. Um, and and that's a, that's a hard break as well. But a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it comes down to what will Medicare reimburse? How can we handle that? What can we get from them? Can we put things in a trust and things of that manner? And that's something that we can help with. And that's a okay. big thing. So that can bring peace of mind to the family, but then also peace of mind to the senior to know that, you know, there's an end in sight for them. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, and it's evaluating that whole safety. I mean, everyone wants to be home and be able to roam, and yet is it safe, you know, to be there? Or I've heard families like, well, I want to pull mom or dad out of a community, and and I understand they're scared and they don't want them to get COVID, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't give it to them either. And, you know, they have protection and they have staff that are trained and, you know, there's all those, they've got a lot of preventative things that families don't necessarily have. And granted, in the beginning of this disease, nobody knew what the heck was going on. So it was really scary. But, you know, now there's guidelines, you know, they've gotten gear in, they've done training, um, they're kind of, they're all fine tuning this and not that it's not going to continue to have to be fine tuned, but we as public are doing the same dang thing. You know, every state and city is a little bit different in terms of how they're doing the dance with COVID. And so, um, you know, the grass always looks greener on the other side, but I think no matter where you are, you gotta, you gotta look at the details of really what is truly going to be best. And, and um, like I said, for some family members wanting to pull somebody out of a community, you have to remember there was a reason they moved there in the first place. And what was Absolutely. that? Absolutely. And I think like I said, things, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, and I think a lot of times people forget about that because, you know, we're, we get in this protection mode, but we have to get, we have to ask deeper questions about how are they going to be protected? Because if you, are bringing somebody home and now you have to run to the grocery store if they can't be left home alone now you're bringing them out in public you know all of those types of things and um, you know it's a little here and it's a little there and then it's the whole mental health piece the socialization I mean there's no there's no one answer for any family but I think talking with a, a professional who can see the big picture and help you ask the right questions to be able to make the best decision, um, to me, uh, is, is huge, is absolutely it is. huge because it's, it a, is. it's I'll, complicated. Yeah. Go ahead. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I was agreeing. It, it is. Okay. Um, you know, we talked about, um, you know, there really needs to be more improvement in, in a fantasy world, how would you like to see things be improved for residents and family and, and care centers as a whole? Another really great question, and that's something that we're working on right now um, with this quarter in 2020, and it's communication. And I think a lot of people would agree that in some cases they feel like they're involved, but they're really not involved. And to give another personal story of, of how that strikes home with me, you know, my father-in-law fell um, about six days ago, and we didn't know that he had actually fallen and went to the hospital until two days after the fact. Um, oh, wow. and, and that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. And, and this is not, you know, a state-funded location. Um, you know, he's paying good money to be there every single month. And what we're doing is we're creating almost a real-time notification system to let the families know that something had happened. Um, this is what we're doing. This is what we're trying to, you know, incorporate you with so that you're involved and you know the whole process of what's going on. And I think that's the big thing, Lori. A lot of people don't feel involved. They feel like they pay money and they don't get what they need in return. And that's very frustrating. So I think communication and keeping family that wants to be involved involved is a really big deal. And that's what we're trying to do right now. 
Oh, that's a huge, huge piece. And, you know, and part of it is with families is we, the phone rings, we see the number and we automatically too think something's wrong. You know, when it comes to that communication, someone fell, someone's hospitalized, um, you know, something's missed and someone's wandered. Um, The list goes on and on. And, And so we get nervous when we see that call, but yet we want that call. We deserve to be in the loop with that as well to be able to be supportive through that. But we'd also like to know when good things are happening too. Uh, you know, depending on, especially in memory care, I think that's really critical right now because people, um, you know, some are starting to open up and allow visits and stuff. But for many months, people weren't allowed to visit and some didn't have the technology to do kind of the video conferencing and the phone calls don't always work well with the residents and things and and stuff. So, um, you know, all of those things come come into play and um, and I, I think communication is key to everything we do in life, and we can do Absolutely. it. We can we can do it poorly, or we can do it haphazardly, or you know we can always <laughs> be trying trying to improve. Um, and you know I don't I I don't like to see anything stay a status quo. You know when you when I asked you that question, you said, oh, we're working on that right now. It's like I, I think every company and every human being should always be looking at what's the next thing we can do better or, or this is good, but you know, I I bet we can, we can tweak it and make it even better and not necessarily have to roll out a whole new system, but we'll just, we'll add to it. We'll educate from it. We'll, you know, we'll, we're just, the goal is to improve, not just have that status quo of money in money out because this is humans we're talking about and um, you had mentioned with families, you know, there's um, the advocacy piece is missing. And, you know, for families, it's the emotions, it's the finances, it's the family dynamics. I mean, it's endless on what, you know, what transpires there with those relationships. And um, and it gets mucky sometimes in terms of who's even in charge or who's responsible or who, you know, who wants to be responsible but doesn't have the authority to be responsible or to know any of these details, you know. It's um, true. So- and, Lori, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny I have I have a lifetime of fishing gear and everything in my third car garage. And it's just that's just the reality of it, you know. It's who takes what, what are we doing, how are we allocating things. How are we consolidating? You know, who's gonna who's gonna take that? You know, and deal mm-hmm. with it. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a lot because um, you have the you have the emotional baggage, and then you have the physical baggage, and then you have the financial and the legal stuff. Um, you know, and it's all. Uh, it, sometimes it doesn't mix well. Sometimes it's kind of like a, an oil and water uh, type scenario there. Um, when it comes exactly. to planning. How how can families be better involved in care and like where should they start and and who should they call for help when they're dealing with with um, some of these scenarios we've been discussing? Absolutely. Well, I, I say this I say this not joking and it may sound cliche, but the first step is for everybody to get along in family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know that's not always the case. Um, but understanding that everyone's in it for the same cause and purpose, which is to get mom or dad or whoever they're elderly in a comfortable place where it's what they want. And it, yeah. it comes back down to what they actually want 
not what everybody mm-hmm. wants, but what they want. And that's really the first step. And the second step is to evaluate budgetary constraints, overall long-term goals, and things of that sort to decide, is it really worth hiring a legal counsel aid to review something with Medicare, or is it better to hire a medical consulting company that does this start to finish day in and day out to do this? And that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. Um, I always say when it comes to power of attorney and you know wills and things of that sort, of course you want legal counsel involved. But when it comes to the medical insurance, not all of them are very savvy of what to do as the next step. So I would decipher between legal counsel for those items and then really going with a medical consulting company that can in a very quick manner get them from start to finish what they need and not drain mom, dad, or the seniors, you know, finances, which are very near and dear because we've got to make sure that that gets them through to the very end comfortably. Yep. Yeah, and, and you're right. I know when I was going through everything with my folks, you know, my dad had brain cancer, my mom had dementia. And, you know, they were um, blue-collar workers, and I said, you know, we got to get your will and health care and all that stuff, you know, pulled together. And dad's like, oh, you know, we don't have that much. We don't need to see an attorney. And I'm like, everyone should see an attorney, dad. I said, you have a lot more than you think you do. And um, he was a little surprised, but he was, it was very intimidating, that process. And um, so I, I was in real estate at the time, and I helped families do transitions all the time. And so I had a team of, of experts. And so I said, well, you know, we don't want to just go to any attorney. We want to have an elder law attorney because they're going to know more about the stage of life you're in. And um, some of the, you know, tips and tricks of the trade (laughs) they can do to maneuver stuff and how to protect you best. And they were, you know, very hesitant of going. And so um, my husband and I said, why don't we just do this together? And we're going to we're going to redo all of our stuff, too. And they I think they just felt safer and calmer that it wasn't an end of life issue. It was about smart living. And, you know, we all need these documents in order. Kids, when they turn 18, should have powers of attorney. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many friends I've had where their kids have gotten uh, sick or in accidents or in the hospital. The parents are paying the insurance and they can't get any information out of the doctor because they don't have power of attorney because the child is an adult. You know, so this is just smart. This is just smart living and and making sure that life goes the way you want it so that people aren't making decisions that you don't want. And uh, so some of that is, I think there's that hurdle of just educating people in the process because um, I saw that over and over and over again that people are like, oh, if I leave my house, I'm giving up on life. And it's like, no, everybody moves for the same reasons. It's to find a home that fits your needs for your current situation. That's what everyone's done all through their life. You know, you buy a little startup and maybe you get married, maybe you get divorced, you have kids, you you know, all of those types of things. And you're just moving for a better fit and moving to, um, uh, you know, transitioning to some type of senior housing. If it's a market rate, if it's assisted living, if it's memory care, you're doing the same thing. But you still have to analyze all of those emotional factors, financial factors, legal factors in, in with that. And, um, you know, I know a, a lot of attorneys, 
they know certain statutes, but they might not know all the ins and outs of, like you said, Medicare and Medicaid and, and specific bills. They, they might know big picture, but a lot of them I've talked to don't necessarily know a lot of the nitty gritty or they don't choose to, you know, they don't want to be reviewing bills and, and um, those types of things. And so getting someone who who is a a specific care manager in a business like yours knows those ins and outs um, from both sides um, makes a, makes a lot of sense. And I would think would be more economical as well. Um, that you kind of implied versus uh, hiring an attorney to maybe have to learn some of those things or hire someone else to get the information and then feed it back to you. So um, that makes a, makes a lot, a lot of difference there. What kind of response have you been getting from families who um, are, are working with you, um, you know, as a, in, in securing you as a um, care management um, company? Absolutely. So the biggest thing is relief. A lot of, like we discussed further, a lot of emotionally charged situations come up in those scenarios. Um, You know, people get frustrated. And I always say the first thing is, remember, this is somebody that, you know, was with you at the very beginning. So as much Mm -hmm. as there's frustration, they may not recognize things, remember things, they may not be who they were, remember what they were. And that's Mm -hmm. number one. Um, You know, we've got to be, we've got to have patience to get kind of through the end result, which is to make sure they're comfortable. And really the second thing is to evaluate the assets and understanding of what the end result is. Is it skilled nursing? Is it memory care? Is it assisted living? Is it independent living with the hopes and transition to get to skilled nursing? What Mm -hmm. is the plan for that? And it's really understanding and talking with the family. Sometimes they don't know. Sometimes they don't know how bad mom, dad, or their family member is. And, And that's really number one is to assess where they are in this transition. And really the second part is to, you know, come up with an idea and plan of, okay, you can't do this 24 seven. Everybody has a job or a life. What are we doing to make sure that there's peace of mind for you? Who are we networking with that, um, you know, works with us to make sure that, you know, you guys are comfortable, you're getting notification and then kind of go from there. And really the biggest thing is they want to make sure that there's communication, they're in the loop and things of that sort. So, they don't get those panicking calls from a you know, caller ID that's, you know, wherever their elderly's at, thinking it's worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I agree with you. And when you mentioned, you know, families don't always see where somebody is at. And, uh, you know, I ran into that with my own family and then circle of friends. Oh, they look fine. They look, well, that's because I went over there and I helped them get dressed and I made sure they had money when they went out to dinner with you and, you know, all of those types of things. And then what you guys did was reminisce and they can still do that. You know, there's a, there's a lot of pieces missing here in terms of uh, daily function and cognitive abilities and, and things. And so, so many people judge from the outside, you know, what's, what's going on. And that has, you know, many times nothing to do with anything. And then you get the family too who might see it, but they're just in denial. They're like, I'm not going there. I don't, I don't want to admit that because then I got to deal with it. And it's like, well, it's not stopping because you're denying it. <laughs> you know, these things are still exactly. going on. And um, exactly. to find somebody who, who can help you get a grip on that and, um, and come up with a, a solid plan. Cause there's nothing worse than, 
you know, especially if you're going to make a move, making the wrong move and then having to readjust, um, you know, and with a person with dementia, that can, that can be extremely difficult. Do you find that any of, let's say this, because I, I would think that it would be really helpful for some of the senior housing communities to have, have you in their back pocket to refer out um, to help people sort through these things. I think sometimes um, we don't, um, we don't think of um, all the resources that people need. Are you okay there? You sound like a, you crashed. <laughs> no, I'm here. No, we're good. No. Okay. Okay. Just wanted to make I sure. Didn't, I didn't, I didn't crash through the floor with your comment. We're good. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, wondering, do, do you see, um, because I, I guess I'm not seeing that so much from senior housing. Um, typically it's like, well, you know, our, they'll have somebody in house who can step through some of it, but they don't, they do it more in general terms. It really isn't a one-on-one type service, which I think is what is needed for most people. Um, to really get through the process because it's just so overwhelming. It is. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, one of the biggest frustrations I have is when they upsell people to come to their establishments and then there's no next step. I can mm-hmm. tell you with, you know, my father-in-law, they were, the, the location he's at currently right now, they were very eager and motivated to do a tour, talk about all the activities, everything that was great. And then as soon as he signed the check and went in, it kind of went into translation, lost in translation, if you will, that we didn't know what the next step, what is the communication in case he's having an issue with his phone? What's the communication in case he falls? So I think the most important thing is there needs to be an advocacy unit in place, somebody to reach out to the family to say, listen, this is what we're going to recommend. We really Mm -hmm. truly believe that you know, whether or not your loved one has X, Y, and Z in the bank account with assets or things to kind of carry them on, this is what we're going to recommend. And sometimes that's the difference between independent living to assisted living, mm-hmm. where, as you said earlier, sometimes families are in denial about what that difference is. Mm-hmm. And to have yeah. that conversation about what that next step is, as, as difficult as, you know, it may be to have mom and dad or the relative, they're having a hard time getting up. They're falling now. They don't remember who somebody's name is. That's a transitional point where, you know, I like to call it a come to Jesus meeting where we do really have a reality check of what's in that best interest. And I'll tell you with my father-in-law, and I know a lot of listeners probably may laugh at this. He still wants to buy a car and go on vacation and scuba dive and do all these things that his youthful mind still wants to do. Mm -hmm. And, the reality is he's using a, a roller right now to go and eat and he's having a hard time seeing. So he's wearing sunglasses inside. So really people need to have somebody that is understanding and caring to what the senior still wants to do versus mm-hmm. what the reality. And I think that is what's missing right now. Yeah. And, and how, how do you adapt? How do you adjust and how do you help the family adjust too? Because that's a, um, it's a grieving point. It's hard to see your loved one, you know, want what was, and you know that they can't have it. And, you know, then there's the, the guilt because a lot of times people have made promises saying, well, you know, um, you're not going to, we're not going to move you, you know, that's never going to happen. And then all of a sudden things change. And yet we don't give ourselves permission and acceptance of things have changed. And when I said that, I meant it. 
you know, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't trying to fool anybody. Probably the only person I really fooled was myself thinking things weren't going to change when I made that comment. Um, But we all have these inner critics that like to beat us up and we let them take control and we really have to um, grab, grab a hold of ourselves and say, Hey, I made the best decision I could at the time, but times have changed. And so it's, time to make another decision it's time to look at what resources are available and and uh, like you said it's not always easy pulling the family together and sometimes a third party can do that I mean there are actual mediators out there that that do this for families that are really really struggling Um, but um, you know figuring out who really has the the time and the ability and the skill set to deal with stuff is not an easy thing sometimes for families to assess or different values are given. Well, they're handling finances and they're handling legal and, you know, you're just, you're just buying groceries, you know, well, that's, <laughs> or, a, that's a, or, you know, yeah. yeah. And, and giving them a shower or whatever it might be. Those are very valuable things. And sometimes, um, there, are, I, I've seen anyways with families, there's values attached uh, and they're not appreciated or they feel less than. And I, I, I really encourage families to look at everything on the list as equal because they, they all work with one another, no matter how you slice it. And um, they're important, important roles. And um, trying to get, get families too on, um, on track of, of giving people tasks that they're comfortable with because there's nothing worse than somebody being responsible for something and they might not feel they're competent to do it. And then they're, then they're scared people are going to come after them if they do something wrong. And they're like, Hey, I told you I wasn't good at this. You know, I'm not good at math. And now you got me in charge of the checkbooks. Really? This was not a life decision. I told you that, you know, or the legal stuff. Um, I mean, it can go on and same on. Thing with our family. It was the mm-hmm. same thing with our family. You know, we would go out maybe three times a week and clean and prepare meals. And, you know, it still wasn't enough. And it's um, it's complicated. I, it, with my family, it was not until after my dad passed, we were just talking. I have two, two brothers, an older one and a younger one. And I remember sharing some stories about mom and dad with him. And my older brother said, well, where did you get those stories? And I thought, well, what a stupid question. I was there. Where do you think I got them? You think I just picked them out of a book and said, I'm going to, I'm going to claim these as mine. And or made them up. Hit, yeah. It, yeah. And then, and then it hit me and I got so sad for both of them thinking they weren't there. They don't have all these cool stories that I have, you know, and um, it really made me step back and realize that, you know, I was trying to make them be like me and I was really frustrated and that was an added burden to me to have to fix them, to be like me, to get it. And I think a lot of family members have a person like me in their family that's the primary caregiver and they want help and they want people to step up and just do that, you know, do that graciously without somebody having to beg or bother them um, to step in. And yet when we had our discussion, my brother said, well, you know, you're kind of a control freak. Oh, no, no, no. 
I'm just organized, <laughs> you know, and the different perceptions. And so we talked through some of that stuff too, because that can be a bloody mess going through all of this stuff, you know, that we're talking about today too, in terms of, are you being a control freak? Are you being organized? Is communication really open or not? And, um, you know, to what level and what level do people even want to know? Cause some family members don't want to know. They just want to know they're being cared for and they want to be able to come and yeah. visit, but they don't, they don't want to be responsible for any of the big stuff. Um, they just want to be a son, a daughter, or, you know, whatever their role is. And, um, I, and I think we have to appreciate that because then we get people in uncomfortable positions and that's not good. And an outside party sometimes can see that easier than a family member to family member. Um, because we've just grown up, we've we've grown up in the in the dynamic of of whatever it might be. What what do you find for you know families in terms of navigating insurance and planning for the future? Um, I, I think most people find it really confusing in terms of what do I do because I would imagine it's better to have a plan ahead of time than to fall into a crisis and try to you know. Um, you know, walk backwards out the door and, and try to get out of that crisis mode? That's a really, a really, really great question because, you know, insurance is almost such a gray area that people don't know where to go. The most important thing at this point is anybody over 65, Medicare needs to be your best friend. The problem is how to navigate Medicare, understanding what assets are in play to work with Medicare. And I'm going to tell you right now, the honest to God truth is, if you have a profound amount of assets or even a nominal amount of assets, Medicare is very difficult to work with in conjunction with those assets. So I always tell a lot of folks, you know, the, the first thing you need to look at is consolidating with a, a corporate attorney or even a family attorney for a trust and looking at ways to consolidate and put money in a trust so that when you do need to tap into Medicare sooner rather than later, you're able to do that, but not sacrificing the full price of quality care. Mm-hmm. And really, that's paramount. That's the most important thing that needs to be done. Okay. Yeah, because everybody wants to protect their protect their assets, and they want to leverage things to the to the fullest. Um, just like you know, companies do. You know, they want to make sure they're getting every nickel out of us, and we want to save every nickel we can. On the other hand, that's just that give and take, give and take game there. Um, and, well, this has been. Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say lastly one thing that that's very important. Really, the for the families out there, be very careful about having assets drained in a skilled nursing situation to get to Medicare because that becomes very dangerous. In those particular sets of circumstances, a lot of seniors are on a wait list to be able to get those Medicare benefits. And the last thing that you want is to have, you know, familial assets drained and then be on a wait list that, you know, family members are starting to pay out of pocket before Medicare kicks in. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So many complications. So many complications out there. Well, Lexi, this has been a really um, interesting conversation. Anything that that Thank we you. didn't cover that that we should have? Well, without overcomplicating it, I think we covered quite a bit. And I know this is probably a lot for for many folks to digest. But you know, we're we're on standby to assist from really any start to finish process nationwide. 
I'm happy to help, even if it's the most minute conversation, comfort level, and making sure that the elderly is taken care of really is number one. So we are, we're, we're here for, for any process and really any guidance as well. We know this is a difficult situation. We know this is not something that everyone's familiar with or want to take on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, what's the best contact information for people to reach you at, Lexi? Really, the best the best way to reach out is, is via email, which I believe you do have our email, um, my personal email, also our website. Uh, point of contact, we can provide our phone number as well to put on, on your blog or website. Um, and, and certainly, you know, we typically we get back within 24 hours. So if there's anybody that does have questions or concerns or have an inquiry, we'll get back to you in a very timely manner as long as we know the state and location that the client is in. Okay. So your company can do service nationally then here in the in the U.S. That's correct? Absolutely, all the way up to Washington State. Okay, wonderful. Because if I remember correctly, you're in South Carolina. And um, I've got your email address is Lexi, L-E-X-I, at MedPro, M-E-D, P-R-O, and then C-S for South Carolina, dot com. And then a website is just MedPro, uh, uh, S-C, dot com. Uh, so yeah. wonderful. Well, I thank you so much for taking time. And um, I hope both families and um, businesses found this advantageous. I know you not only work with uh, with clinics and, and um, hospitals and, and uh, senior living, but also pharmacies as well, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Absolutely, including DME. We also work with the independents, so from start to finish. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. You have a marvelous birthday, and I know this wasn't anything too exciting for your birthday, but <laughs> but we do appreciate you taking taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely, and now this is something that's near to dear to my heart. So, you know, speaking of any day, whether it's a birthday or not, I think is really important. So. Thank you again for having me on your show, and I wish everybody who's listening in a wonderful Thursday. Thanks, Lexi. Um, In wrapping up with people, I just want to let you know, again, that Alzheimer's Speaks, you can go to our main website, alzheimerspeaks.com, to get further information. Uh, We just did an interview on Tuesday that was really interesting with the Motion Picture and Television Fund and how that industry is actually caring for their members and their their family members is really something. And I encourage people to listen to that show. I would love to see more industries stand up and cover the cost and provide excellent service uh, to those who have served them. We will uh, have a couple more shows for you next week. Again, all of our shows are archived, and we've been doing this since 2011. So you can listen to your heart's content. Um, Until next time, be safe and um, stay healthy. Bye now. It's time to rethink. Renew and reimagine retirement. 
Hey everybody, Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what can be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire, become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurpose on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.